Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Breed of Stories podcast. A show that provides you with unique personal perspectives to what's going on in the world. We are your hosts at United World College in Mostar. Michelle Wang from China. And Alta Kashura from Poland. Every week, we're interviewing people from Ethiopia, Colombia, and so many more where they share their stories. Visit us on our Facebook page, Bridge of Stories, and join us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you would like to listen. The Silk Road biking trip was initiated by a group of four United World Colleges students who recycled through nine countries to learn people's stories and dreams to help break stereotypes about the Middle East and Central Asia and to become the youngest group to cycle from Europe to Asia. Jerry is a member of the class of 2018 at United World College of Mostar who initiated the project. And he is here to tell you stories about the trip he encountered in Azerbaijan, the Iranian border, and so many more. We're very excited to be joined by an amazing guest today. He led the youngest group in human history to have cycled from Europe to China. So, can you please tell us your name, where you're from, where you're studying at? Sure. Uh, my name is Jerry. I'm from Chengdu, China, the hometown of Panda and Hot Pot. And I came to UWC Master from 2016 to 2018. Uh, can you give us a bit of an overview of the Silk Road biking trip that you completed last summer? Sure. So last year, after my uni application, I spent five months with my friends to plan the whole trip, which we started on the 26th of May. We flew to Istanbul, and we started this 4,033-kilometer cycling trip. We started from Istanbul, passing through Georgia, Azerbaijan, Iran, and we took the railway uh, through Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, and started off cycling again from the capital of Uzbekistan, Tashkent, through Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and then through Kazakhstan back to the Chinese border, Hoygors. Perfect. So, do you mind just sharing with us how exactly did the idea emerge? What prompted you to do such a courageous thing? When I was really little, every weekend, uh, my mom and my dad were usually cycled to the parks around my hometown. And in those situations, I got to know that cycling is not only something that makes you tired, but also makes you excited, makes you so much fulfilled, because it made you see the scenery in a different dimension. You see those flowers, you see those grass, you see those people in the park, because you put so much effort in cycling. And that made me motivated to see a bigger world, with this way of traveling. So my goal for a long time was, after my high school graduation in China, in Chengdu, my dream was to cycle from Chengdu to the capital of Tibet, which is Lhasa, to use cycling as a way to see, um, to see the local people, to live in their house, to know how they live their life. But later on, I got a chance to study at United World College in Mostar, a place in the center of the Balkan. So it's hard, a little bit hard, to, to organize the trip from Chengdu to Tibet anymore. But one day I was thinking, Jerry, if I cannot do that trip, why can't I do a bigger one? So that's where I had the idea to cycle from where I study to my home, which is from Europe to China. And how did you compile your team? Because you were a member of a bigger group. Who were those people? How did you find them? Sure. So I initiated the whole program. And the first person who, um, who, who want to join me is a friend of mine at UWC Mostar. Her name is Magdalena from Germany. We cycled last year as well, um, you know, in 20, 
in 2017 summer when we cycled from Bosnia to Albania, and the other two friends, um, both of them are from UWC Mahindra in the same year with me. I knew them through one of my friends from Mahindra, which shared an email about a trip to them. So they applied and um, they joined us in the end. The first is a Syrian guy called Rakden, and the other is an Indian um, guy called Keshav. Yeah. Perfect. So we've actually heard amazing stories um, from you know your updates and everything. Uh, if you have to choose one of the most memorable ones to share with the Bridge of Stories podcast audience, which ones would they be? Sure. There are many stories happening in the trip. Some are very risky, very adventurous, very unexpected. And one of the most unforgettable memory of mine was in a country called Azerbaijan. The name of the country in old in ancient Persian means the land of fire. There's a lot of volcanoes there, but also because it's so hot as fire. So one day, we're following the road, which is you know, very flat, you know, very easy. We cycle from 8 until 12. And then, suddenly, the road became very bumpy. There are so many stones, there are so many you know, bumps, everything became slower. So usually, we do 22 kilometers per hour, but there we only did 6. And then, the sun climbed up. And the temperature rose from 35 to 40, 45 to 50. Wow. And under the big sun, and above those very bumpy stones, we are tracking and tracking. And then, after entirely two hours, we had no more water. We lost the six liters of water because we were so, so, you know, so tired. And that was the time when we thought, we have to hitchhike, because if we continued, we might be dehydrated. But this road was so remote that there aren't so many cars passing by. After 10 minutes, the first truck came. They stopped for us, but, but what happened is, the driver of the car, he just, you know, he just waved down the window, and then he took out his phone, and he took a selfie with us, while he was in the cabin. <laughs> And then he went up his window and he drove away. <laughs> and at that time, wow. I said, Vafankuro, which is, you know, F, <laughs> F star star K <laughs> in Italian. <laughs> at that time, we were both physically and mentally destroyed. The second car, after 10 more minutes, he even, he even didn't stop for us, he just drove away. And then, you know, two guys, a Syrian and a Chinese, in the middle of nowhere, in a country which is very unknown. We're almost, you know, like we're in a huge <laughs> depression. But five more minutes passed, and then there was a, set, a third car came. The driver, he stopped for us, and he came down. He, and then, me, as a student from Bosnia, I used my broken Bosnian to say who we are and what we're doing, because Bosnia is similar to Russian, which he speaks. So what happened is, he listened to us, and he went back to his cabin and talked to his friends in the cabin. But later on, those two guys, they noted. So Rakden, my friend and me, we think, okay, maybe you know, we're gonna have to wait for one more car. But this guy, he turned back, he came to us. He said, yes. When I heard that, 
I don't know how I would feel, you know, as two camels in the middle of the desert, you know, because what around that there are no trees at all. I said, we cannot rest. So we followed him, but when he opened the back of his car, we were astonished. It's not a car for cargo. It's not a car for human. It is a car for the cattle. <laughs> when we opened wow. that, what we smell is something I can never forget in my life. <laughs> the smell of the poops. But more interestingly, we have no choice. We went into the car and he opened it and he closed the door. And Rakti and I were just like two cattle, you know. We have no other choices but to stoop, to stay in the car and then until next destination. But nevertheless, we feel very happy because in those places, in a country which the people there, they don't share the same language, they don't share the same culture, they don't share the same religion, but what we share together is humanity. We all understand that sometimes people, they might need help. So in case, in the case that we can provide the help, it is our, you know, our pleasure to give that help to the people. And stories like this happen in many parts of the trip and let me believe more in the power of humanity, in the power of understanding people and helping them. That's, That's really beautiful. That's really mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, did you happen to encounter any dangerous or risky situations there throughout the trip? Um, yeah. So there are many dangers as well. One of them is the high temperature. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, the thing that I'm most scared in the whole trip happened in one type of the occasions, which were the tunnels. So when you're driving in a car, tunnel is pretty easy, right? One way straight, you know, like nothing to care about. But when you're cycling, it's a totally different picture. It's like a hell. Because sometimes it's not very bright, it's very dark. And sometimes there's only one line, which means if the driver of the car didn't pay so much attention, they might just, you know, crash at you. And they might even not notice that because, you know, <laughs> for them, it might be just like a, some snow, stones and they just passed away. For me, when I was cycling, I feel very scared because if I die in a tunnel, nobody will know that I died there. And every time when the big truck just came, you know, from the very end of the tunnel, it felt like a monster. It felt like a huge monster just coming to you, trying to eat you. And one time it was in Istanbul where we encountered a 4,500 meter tunnel and every second of that just made me so scared. But that being said, I was so lucky and those drivers are so nice and careful that I didn't end my life in the tunnels. But I would say that is one of the most <laughs> like risky and dangerous part of the whole trip. So are there any other stories that you want to share that, you know, were really valuable during the trip? Sure. Actually, there's also one more, which I've never expected. So that was in a town called, I think it's called Sarab or something like that. But it's in a border between Iran and Turkmenistan. And at that time, I only have literally one dollar in my pocket because um, I need to give um, because um, Iran is a country which doesn't have, you know, Western, you know, bank. We cannot use Visa card or Mastercard. And I give um, uh, some cash to my serial friend to go back home and to pay back the previous expenses. So after arriving at the border, I only have one dollar in my pocket. But you know what? I had many Plan Bs. 
I thought I could find, you know, like a sh there was a shop in the town which accepts illegally, you know, the PayPal. So I can use my PayPal to get some cash. But unfortunately, it was closed. And then I thought, you know, China is a big country. There are Chinese tourists in the town. So I was in a town. I was trying to find the Chinese tourists in the town called Mashhad. But then after two days, I didn't see any single Chinese, and I was wondering where are those people? You know, where are my people? We're a country of one point four billion people, but nobody was there at the time. I'm joking, but and then I thought, you know, on the train to the border, there might be some, you know, maybe some foreign, you know, tourists who I can give them give the money by by PayPal or I can transfer money by bank and give me some cash. But none of them worked. So I came to the border literally with only one dollar in my pocket, but I need fourteen dollars to pass the border as an entry tax tax. So I was trying at the beginning in the first trial. I tried to speak any English. I was trying to go through the border without paying the money, and as we expected, you know, it doesn't work. <laughs> so I went back to the waiting room before the border. I opened my bag on on my bike. You know, I was trying to find if I was so smart before that I put some money, you know, in any of the bag. I opened one bag, two bags, and then I found some money. I found thirty km, which is the Bosnian cash. I feel so happy because that means fifteen euro is more than fourteen dollars. So I went to the border, felt very confident. I gave the money to the police, and then after three minutes, he looked at every single corner of the money. He said no. <laughs> I say actually, I think it's fair enough because nobody knows what Bosnia is, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and then I went back again, but not smiling because you know at that time I don't know what what I can do. I heard that you know, like Turkmenistan、um, was a country, you know, that like North Korea people there, they might be, you know, I was stereotyping, you know, and they might be very unfriendly, they might be a little bit aggressive and things like that. They'll not help me, and if I don't pass the border, I'll be at the border which they kick me out, and if they kick me out, it will be the center of the desert. I cannot sleep anywhere else. When I was sitting alone at the corner of the room, suddenly. A woman, a Turkmenistan woman, she patted my shoulder. I turned around, and then she said in Russian, "What happened?" So, I showed her fourteen with my fingers, and an empty pocket. And then she understood something. She went back to her friends, and then she said, "What happened to me in Russian?" And suddenly, this woman, they. Just took out their wallet, and they gave one dollar, and one dollar, and one dollar to the woman. Those dollars they're very old, you know, many folded. So the fourteen dollars became so high, became became so tall, and then the woman, you know, he she came back to me. She gave me the money. I never thought I'll get money like this, and I talked to her that can you give me your、um, bank card and your bank number, bank account number. She said, "No, no, no! Just go, just go to the border." So she pushed me to the border, and I went back to the police. And he was so surprised, like, "How can I get so much money in a short amount of time?" I, you know, I pointed this woman, and then he gave me the stamp, which I felt so heavy because those stamp, you know, they stand for the kindness of those women. But how can I just live like that? Like that? I just as、so、I went back to the waiting room, I opened my bag. 
there were a box of food from Azerbaijan, from Iran. And I told this woman that, please take some, please take some. Thank you so much. But they only symbolically took a little bit of them. And they closed the box for me. And they said, man, this is for a trip in Turkmenistan. Welcome. So I, I don't know what to say at that time, but just feel a little bit kind of, you know, wet in my, you know, around my eyes. I never thought people like that, you know, in that country, they might help me in that way. I knew that all the stereotypes, they were only stereotypes. Until we know the people, until we talk to them, until we interact with them, we cannot judge people just by the stereotypes. So this kind of, you know, goes back to the previous story. We might have similar background. We might have a similar kind of, you know, like, you know, like thoughts and religion, but we all share a sense of caring with each other, a sense of humanity. Well, you mentioned that you studied at the United World College in Mostar. You were just wondering, uh, did UWC somehow contribute to your project? Sure. And to be honest, I can never, you know, I can never finish this trip without the two years in UWC Mostar. I think UWC, it's much more than, you know, academics. It's much more than yourself in terms of the scores, or in terms of, you know, like your aspiration, your goals. So when I first taught my project to my friends, they are pretty polarized. One side said, Jerry, don't do it, so dangerous, which I really appreciate that, that's the truth. And at the other time, at the other side of people, they say it's very dangerous, but they say, Jerry, as long as you know what you're doing, as long as you are cautious, we support you. So those people, no matter the first type or second type, they let me know that I'm supported. They let me know the risk and let me carry out to, to design the whole plan to accommodate all the risks. And after I decided to do this trip, I, those, my, those my friends, they shared my video, my fundraising link. And that's how the video on YouTube and on Facebook received thousands of you know, shares and, and watching. That's how I get you know, the, the money for this trip. And I also asked the UWC alumni across the world, in Iran, in Georgia, in Azerbaijan, how they think of the security. They gave me contacts, they gave me information. And yeah, overall, the trip can never happen without the support. Thank you so much, Jerry. For me personally, it's, it's really exciting to actually hear that because before I even came to the WC and I got to know that I'm going to Mostar, I was actually following uh, your trip uh, on Facebook. You. So you know, it's really interesting for me to actually hear those stories personally from you. Uh, thank you so much. It was great having you at the Bridge of Stories podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Bridge of Stories podcast. Don't forget to join us next Saturday afternoon for the next episode. We'll, we'll catch, catch you, you there! there.